What's up, family? Welcome back to the Stop Sinking Show, where we go from struggle to flow. If you've listened for a while, you know sometimes I come on here just to talk myself out of struggle. This is one of those episodes. If I can bring any of you along with me that can relate to this, all the better. And like most times when I'm trying to climb out of this lower vibrating self-assigned state, because I'm doing it to myself, I'm pretty sure, the part of me that's suffering is desperately seeking answers to help me with the climb out. And usually that's when the universe provides, because there's a part of me calling out for it. And this time is no different. It seems everything I've listened to over the past week has somehow touched on this topic and how timely it is for me. The problem begins with our human mind itself because we so hyper fixate and have a bias around what's most available, most recent. What's most available disconnects us from what is also true. At the same time, what's available is true but it disconnects us from what is also true. What we have too soon forgotten. And even if we can logically remember it, it doesn't have the memory, doesn't have enough emotional charge to break us out of the feelings of what's available. So if I don't feel like I have certain qualities that I displayed in the last most recent available time span, any memory of me displaying those qualities doesn't give me that emotional charge to break me out of it, at least not from the logical space. And if you really push for silence and try to feel the gratitude of those contrasting moments, then maybe you would break out of the negative state. But me, I haven't figured out how to do that without taking action to change my state first. Only from a different state can I then have a clear head to reassess the negativity. And sometimes for me, that's exercising or meditating. Sometimes it's doing some work to feel accomplished, to remember some of those qualities of myself, to have them and witness them play out again. And sometimes it's just coming on here and articulating it. Now, I'll share some of the things my negative mind has been telling me as of lately. And if you're not here in this negative state with me, it is not my goal to invite you into it. Go through the darkness with me for a minute, and I promise I will bring you out on the other end. I feel like my entire life has been a tension between urgency and patience. And when I'm in an urgent state, I accomplish more, do more, feel the need to, but it comes along with its heightened stress. And in that urgent state, I feel more of what I consider and call anxiety. Shortness of breath, heavy chest, unsettled, and always on the move. And when I'm in a patient state, I accomplish less, do less, and don't feel the need to. A greater sense of faith and peace tends to lead these times. Sometimes I pause at this state longer than I should after passing through the high times of urgency as a reward, as a feeling that I've somehow earned some less stressful periods from the extremely stressful ones that I've just come from, that I just put myself through. 
in this patient state, although it comes with its peace, it disconnects me from the high pace of achievement I'm used to identifying with. And then there's a part of me that considers it a betrayal. A part of me that is always looking at the clock and pressing upon me to become something by a certain time. And the peaceful patience that tries to simmer and counteract it by saying that everything happens in due time only works for so long. Until the peace itself becomes just as painful and throws me back into an urgent state from the feeling of the pressure of wasted time and usually then it kicks me into high gear to try to make up for that time lost. It's like coming back from vacation. It's like a welcome back to reality moment. And especially if your life is something you've wanted to escape from to go to vacation, the return back is painful. Everything is just as you left it, waiting for you to tend to. And the longer the vacation, the longer the patience or peace extended, the more painful the return. And I've I've probably talked about this, and when I think about it again, I can't help but feel like this oscillating pattern is broken. Sure, you deserve peace, but the times of urgency then should be building towards a life that is less of one that you want to escape from. If not, your actions in those urgent moments are either misguided, ill-informed, or again, downright betrayal of what it is that you truly want. You are not loyal to what it is that you really want when those urgent moments come. So then what are your hands busy doing and building if it isn't building the life you want? And what I'm fixated on, at least at this moment, is the managing of that painful return back to this urgent state, coming back from an extended period of peace and patience in which I am feeling overwhelmed and downright despondent about the mountain of pressure I expect of myself and is expected of me from the roles and duties I am to play. And in this state, the feeling of pain is so great that my mind plays tricks on me to try and get me back to the escape of peace as soon as possible. And the ideas my mind throws at me vary in their horrifying nature. But they all come down to one thing. When the pressure feels so great where even breathing becomes difficult, there is a real vulnerable part of me that just wants to quit. And it is about this I want to talk to you about today. Feeling like failing on all you expect of yourself and trying to solve it by quitting as an escape. See, there's an irony in that solution that isn't lost on me. The entire reason for feeling like a failure is the gap between what I know I can accomplish and what I have accomplished. And the pressure of that gap feels so burdensome that in those moments, because it feels like such a huge hill to climb and almost more than I have the might to summit, that the best possible option feels like to just throw in the towel and submit defeat to the challenge that seems greater than me. And the irony is that quitting would only exacerbate the feeling of dread. It would only widen the gap, 
only make me feel less accomplished in the face of what I would continue to believe and feel I can accomplish. And so quitting offers no solution. No solution to lessen that gap. Because it doesn't adjust in my mind my inherent potential. It only adjusts my reaching for it, or blunts it, rather. And so quitting offers no solution to the existential crisis of the insignificance of my own making. It only worsens it. So then I find clues and messages again, much like I've spoken about before. To strive for urgency in the short term and patience in the long term. To somehow have this dichotomy work for me instead of causing me dread. Because there is no other way for them to coexist without them working with and for each other. If I continue to let them take each other's place as the one state that I'm in or the other state that I'm in, and only one can take center stage, then I will no doubt have periods in my life where I'm highly productive and other periods where I lose complete momentum. And neither one of those serve each other. And they both create a polarity and a need for each other that is not good because too much urgency creates a need for peace and too much peace and patience creates a need for urgency. And they only help you in a healthy way if you can have them coexist. So what I'm reminded about is the humility that it takes to be future-focused, but be present, praying. To remember that life is long to simmer my nerves while invoking and calling upon each moment that makes up that life in the present to make the most of it. So this thinking gives life to those moments while giving them breathing room to bud. Without it, you suffocate the moments of urgency to produce the fruits under your watch or get disappointed because that's not going to happen under your watch and ping into times of patience and peace as a way to counteract the disheartening, but then can venture into neglect and apathy. Both of those require a healthy balance if you are to live a life where you can actually depend on yourself to consistently persist. So in those pressured moments where I entertained quitting, the universe sent me reminders of how it's not the way. From quotes from my history on my day one journal to the quote of the day on my Chrome Momentum plugin to different podcasts and stories of friends. It's clear to say that my reticular activating system of my brain or the universe or whatever floats your boat, it's clear that it wanted me to be reminded of this very potent message. That you haven't failed until you quit. Ed Milet had Alex Hormozzi on his podcast the other day and said these exact words. And then Brooke Castillo on her recent episode also resonated the same message. And he said... You shouldn't judge a man until the end of his days. Which reminded me of Solon's warning from Nassim Taleb's Fooled by Randomness, which I've talked about on a previous podcast, episode 69. At the end of the day, you are not sure how fortunate or misfortunate a person is or a situation is until the entire movie plays out. 
You never know or hear of the most powerful kings during their time that meet their demise abruptly and shamefully and never to be spoken of again. And I'm sure you can think of celebrities who were once at the height of adoration who fell further than obscurity into downright humiliation. And that means the opposite is also possible. So a snapshot does not reveal to you where we're headed or where we're coming from. So at the end of the day, to snap out of it, have the will to never quit, is to be reminded, to be focused on the future of that movie where no matter the current failure, triumph is yet to be scripted and seen until the movie plays out. So regardless of your current circumstance or the pressure of the gap from not being all you can be and now feeling this suffocating urgency, the only solution is to continue to walk towards unfolding your movie. It's to go at it another day. It's to use your hands and feet and mind and body in service of that becoming. And really, all you need is to summon the strength to just go one more day. Just don't quit today. One of my favorite lines from Ozarks, lose your shit tomorrow. Today is no day to fall apart. Because really, what are you going to do when it's game day and all the pressure is on you? You really going to quit? In the heat of battle, you'll just go cold? And if everyone's depending on you, then what the fuck happens? And then, words of reaffirmation of this message just started to show up more and more. Quotes, it's hard to be the person that never gives up. You can't lose if you don't give up. And of course, I watched the Tony Robbins seminar last week, which reminded me of Ogmandino's greatest salesman of all time, in which he shares what becomes the seed of all greatness that is to be achieved. He says, failure will never overtake me if my determination to succeed is strong enough. All of which translates to, if you are willing to go another day, what is failure to you? Just another swing of the bat. And if you're here to play, what does another missed swing matter anyway? Quitters never win and winners never quit. Literally by default. Unless something tragic happens, to someone who is unwilling to quit, another day is just another day in the game. And for you to lose, you have to accept defeat. If you keep getting up off the mat ready to fight another round and another round, victory is bound to meet you. So the thought of quitting, I realize, is rooted in fear. Fear of trying to go after it and still falls short. Fear of what you may encounter on the way. So the quick and dirty solution your mind wants you to believe then is just to not go after it at all. And then the fear becomes crippling. But you can use this fear to push you forward by placing it behind you instead of having you freeze in place by putting it in front of you. In one of his lectures, JP talks about how the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And the useful part about it is 
that we are more likely to be moved and motivated by the avoidance of pain by negative emotion than we are by the pursuing of a positive emotion. Because he says there's only so much happiness you can experience, but you can really be suffering and dead. So we're more likely to respond to negative emotion because there's more of that to avoid and there's a higher cost to it than positive. So you can use fear as a tool instead of an impediment. First, it's by knowing that what you are afraid of will be encountered on either end of the action you take or do not take. There's a cost to making the decision and there's a cost to not making the decision. There's a huge cost to not doing all the things you imagine for yourself that lead to your own personal little hell. So he says, you're screwed either way. You don't have a path without catastrophes, but at least you get to pick the path you want. But you don't have an option of a path without them. And how freeing that is, because either way, whether you are successful and finding harmony between urgency and peace, and, and whether you then have access to most of your facilities with more consistency and momentum instead of periods of overwork and others of pause, and then whether you use that consistency to go after narrowing the gap between your potential and your current state, or whether the opposite, you let fear stop you and eventually widen that gap, either one of those paths are littered with suffering. You will suffer either way. Just in one way, you waste your life and suffer instead of suffering in the pursuit of glory. Either way, you suffer and you get to pick your suffering. And those words make me quiver. While they free me at the same time. And the reality is that we all don't default to giving it our all. We all default to quitting. And without being clearly grounded on what I spoke about on the last episode, on the why, our vision, on why we're doing what we're doing, most of us default to the easy path. And the reminder that makes me quiver is, there is no easy path. What looks easy to you now will cause you more suffering down the road than you will be willing to bear. And the easier paths that show up to you then that you will try to take will slowly degenerate you to hell. So if there's any doubt on which path to pick, when both come with their own packed fears and suffering, pick the harder path the harder and steeper you are willing to climb uphill now, the better your view and the more enjoyable the downhill joyride. I love you, family. Please share the show. See you on the next one.